Among the enormous amount of Dunhuang manuscripts, there are also some civil contracts and official records. Nobody knows why these documents were stored in the library cave together with Buddhist sutras and other artistic works, but they do provide amazing information for us to know about the social system of the time. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Why We Love Dunhuang podcast. After visiting Stein's Dunhuang collection in the UK last time, today we come to France, where we will examine a recorded lawsuit that happened in Dunhuang. Previously, we talked about the French sinologist Paul Pelliot, who started an expedition towards Central Asia and Western China in June 1906. Later, on March the 3rd, 1908, after negotiating with Abbot Wang, the local caretaker of the Dunhuang Library Cave, Pelio entered the site where he found tens of thousands of manuscripts in Chinese, Tibetan, Sanskrit and Uyghur, as well as large paintings on silk, hemp and paper. Realising he had landed up in a treasure cave, Pelio, racing against time, spent three full weeks in the library cave, working tirelessly to check through thousands of scrolls. In his diary, he recorded his experience. <sighs> it's a holiday today. I remained in the cave for a dozen hours on the run. I was still excited. Being multilingual and crucially with a good knowledge of Chinese, he selected a range of religious, secular and local texts which he judged contain new information or to be of linguistic interest. He also collected statues and paintings on silk. Altogether, Pelio seized over 6,000 precious items from Abbot Wang in exchange for 500 teals of silver. As we know, one year before Pelio's arrival, the British explorer Oral Stein had already taken a large quantity of the Dunhuang manuscripts back to the UK. When Pelio returned to Paris, he published his diary and findings of his expedition. The astonishing findings were so dramatic that many archaeologists did not believe Pelio. Those scholars even accused him of faking all the manuscripts and wasting public money. The charges were only proven false after Pelio's greatest rival, Oral Stein, published his book, Ruins of Desert Café, in 1912. In this book, Stein supported Pelio's account and clearly stated that he had left some manuscripts behind after his visit, clearing Pelio from all accusations. The truth is, since Pelio could understand most of the languages that appeared in the Dunhuang documents, he had brought back pretty much the best that the Dunhuang Library Cave had contained. He also took an extensive set of photographs of the grottos, which retain their value for the study of the murals in the caves. According to the International Dunhuang Project, all the manuscripts brought back by Pelio remain in the collections of the Bibliothèque Nationale de France, which is the National Library of France, with the other paintings and artefacts at the Musée Guimet, or Guimet National Museum of Asian Arts. 
As we have discussed before, nearly 90% of the Dunhuang manuscripts are Buddhist sutras, basically rules, and 10% are other documents, such as civil contracts and official records. That smaller portion of documents holds vital information about the historical customs, law and order, and social lives of Dunhuang. The Pelio collection contains many valuable civil documents and thus became a research base for the development of the economic, social and legal history of medieval China. Now, to help you have more understanding about the legal system of ancient Dunhuang, let's take a look at one piece of the Pelio collection preserved in the National Library of France. I have to remind you, this is a complicated case. We've touched upon this case in our earlier episode, but not in detail. The protagonist of our story is a local widow in Dunhuang called Ah Long. Yes, widow Ah Long. If you still remember her, you do have a very good memory and have listened to this podcast series from the very beginning. Anyway, we know Widow Arlong because she was recorded in one of the Dunhuang manuscripts, numbered P3257. This is the official legal file concerning the dispute between Arlong and her relative over some farmland. This lawsuit happened in the year 945, as the name of the document, Complaint of the Widow Arlong in the second year of the Kaiyong of the later Qin dynasty, indicates. This valuable and important document helps us to understand the civil legal system of that time. The document is made up of three files. The first one is Arlong's complaint, submitted to the government as the plaintiff and the local governor's initial comments. The second is the land lease contract between widow Arlong and her brother-in-law Suo Waii. The third one is the government official's interview record with the plaintiff widow Ah Long, the defendant and also the de facto owner of the land Suo Fo Nu, and the lessee Suo Waii, as well as the final judgment from the governor. This case started in the December of 945, when the plaintiff widow Ah Long applied to the local governor, who was directly in charge of all the affairs in Dunhuang. In the application, Ah Long asked the government to make an order to give back her farmland, around 3.6 acres. The land was occupied by a man called Suo Fo Nu. The Suo clan is a big family in Dunhuang. The widow alleged that the land was mistakenly occupied and used by her relative for more than 10 years. In the year 934, after her son was legally exiled to another region, Ah Long leased the farmland to her brother-in-law. The two of them signed a contract specifying that the lessee would cultivate the farmland and keep all the produce from it, but would pay the land duties and levies. However, after one year, her brother-in-law, the lessee, abandoned the farmland and went to work as a horseman on the grasslands in the nearby snowy mountains. No one physically looked after the farmland from then on. Then things started to get a bit more complicated. 
By chance, another person who also belonged to the Suo family but had been living in the remote South Mountain area from a young age returned and brought back two quite well-bred horses. He turned in one horse to the local government and in return the government allocated to him the then abandoned farmland without knowing that the farmland actually belonged to Ah Long's family. Widow Ah Long thought about claiming the land rights and disputing this allocation at the time but was worried about her status as the mother of a convicted and exiled son. She was afraid of being reprimanded so she did not submit the complaint and object to the misallocation straight away. She was in fact still waiting for her son to serve out his sentence and return. Also, the official lessee, Ah Long's brother-in-law, who had abandoned the land in the first place, did not object to this since he was far away and it was not his land anyway. In this way, the man claimed legal ownership of the farmland without knowing its previous history. However, to complicate things even more, he did not have the skills necessary to cultivate the farmland, so he left and passed the farmland to his own nephew named Suo Fo Niu. Since that time, Suo Fo Niu became the de facto owner of the land. Ten years later, Ah Long's son died in exile, and the elderly widow lived a difficult life with her grandson. So, in December 945, she finally decided to submit the application to reclaim the farmland. Things then moved quickly, and on December the 17th, a local official, surnamed Wong, was assigned to check the case. Official Wong found and reviewed the initial farmland lease contract between Widow Ah Long and her brother-in-law, Suo Yi. He also interviewed the relevant persons like Widow Ah Long, her brother-in-law and the de facto owner Suo Fo Niu. Guess what? It only took the official five days to investigate the case and report to the local governor. On December the 22nd, 945, the same day when the governor received the investigation report, he made his final decision as follows. The allocation of farmland by the local government was still valid since it was decided by the government a long time ago. Considering the reality that the recipient had since left the land, and also considering the Arlong family's impoverished condition, the rights to the use of the farmland and any consequent produce will belong to the Arlong family. A complicated case that lasted for over 10 years was solved in five days. Looking back over a thousand years and being able to follow this everyday civil case in such detail is amazing. The final judgment was simple but impressive. It not only maintained the previous decision of the government but also demonstrated care for the vulnerable family. We can see from this case that a lawsuit at the time was free of charge and it only took five days to make the final judgment. Such efficient handling of law cases is extremely rare even today. What is particularly interesting to note is that the way of investigating and collecting evidence in this case is quite similar to the modern day practice. 
both physical evidence, witnesses and relevant party statements were included. The Library Cave, or Cave 17, of the Dunhuang Mugao Complex is a wonderful time machine, allowing us to look back into the lives of ordinary people over a thousand years ago. A remote age, quite different from today's world, yet in so many ways the same. The tale of Widow Ah Long is just one of the stories of Dunhuang, uncovered in the world's largest Buddhist art gallery. Special thanks go out to the Dunhuang Academy and San Liang Zhongdu for contributing to the content of this podcast. If you like the show, do give us a five-star rating or a review. I'm Graham Stevens. See you next time on the Why We Love Dunhuang podcast. <laughs>